so today we have a, just a special day today because uh, it is our very last Sunday here at McNeil Middle School. All right, come on. God's getting ready to do some awesome things. It's a special weekend for us, and there's nobody else that I would rather preach a message on our very last Sunday than one of our overseers, Pastor Andy Heiss. Uh, his, yeah, come on, let's, let's give it up for Pastor Andy. His church is Desperation Church in Coleman, Alabama. It's a city that we lived in for about 11 years. He pastors a multi-site church there called Desperation. They, they're reaching all over North Alabama. Um, it's an incredible church. We, we pastored in the same city. Our kids played ball together. We coached baseball together. And uh, God's using him in a powerful way. His, his church, Desperation, is built on the foundation of prayer. I mean, it all started with that. And so that he's going to be bringing a message today on prayer. But uh, I think this is super cool. We're both kind of in a building process at the same time. They just built, they just bought the Coleman Civic Center from the city of Coleman. They just bought that and they're turning it into a church, y'all. That's pretty awesome. So um, I, I don't know, what do you say? Maybe one day we buy the impact from, from Wichita Falls. I don't know. We just, we do that. We just turn it into a church. It's going to be an awesome day today. So um, he's one of our overseers and I want you to give just the biggest City Hope welcome to Pastor Andy Heiss today. Come on, come on. What's up, everybody sitting in your couch in your pajamas, drinking your, your, your coffee and eating your Lucky Charms? I'm hoping and praying that you enjoying today. It is incredibly bright. I feel like the heavens are bearing down on us. I know exactly how Saul at the time felt whenever Jesus came and met him because the, the lights are incredibly bright. So I need my sunglasses. Uh, hey, listen, it is awesome to be here. You guys are incredibly blessed to have uh, some incredible pastors with Pastor Ben and Annalise. They are absolutely incredible. Come on, give it up for your pastor. The one thing I notice about Pastor Ben more than anything else besides his love for Jesus is he has got incredible hair. I've never seen somebody with such good hair as him. I don't know. I think he, he goes to bed at night, takes it off, puts it on the dresser, then puts it back on in the morning because there's never a hair out of place. It is beautiful. So, hey, listen, you guys are really, really blessed. I went and saw your place yesterday. It is incredible that God has blessed you with this building that you guys have next to Pelicans. It's got incredible steak. You need to go try it out if you've never been there. Bring your pocketbook. Listen, um, it, it is absolutely beautiful, and it's going to be incredible. They walked me through it, showed me what's going to take place, all the vision they have for it. And I'm telling you, y'all going to reach, y'all going to grow like crazy. Just go ahead and get ready. If you want to be in a church where you don't grow and it's us four no more our, our little holy huddle then you're at the wrong church all right I, I just ran some of you people off i hope you're okay and so um so i'm telling you this church is going to grow because god's going to bring them in great vision here great leadership great people and god's already done gigantic things in less than two years unbelievable so hey listen i'm hoping that i can inspire you just a little bit in the area of prayer I'm hoping that God will use this to help you maybe see prayer just a little bit different um, and maybe pray a little different, um, but still pray. All right? And I, I believe that, that prayer is the centerpiece of our Christian life, uh, conversation with God. Uh, I do believe that prayer is probably more, more listening than it is talking. A lot of times we get that backwards. We do a lot more talking than we do listening. And it's awesome. He's going to do a series coming up about hearing the voice of God because that will fit in perfect. Um, 
Listen, uh, the one thing that I believe that the enemy has done to shut, the, the main area in churches that he has shut down the most is prayer. And prayer is the most needed thing inside churches. It's amazing how a lot of times in our Christian life as individuals and then inside the church, we do just enough praying to make us feel good about our Christian life. When in reality, it's what we do on a regular basis. And we'll talk more about that as we get in. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into detail. Maybe I'll come back and tell you all my story about prayer. I almost did that today, but I felt like I wanted to go this way that we're going to do today more than, more than this other message. But um, I grew up with prayer. I had mentors that taught me about prayer, the importance of prayer and how to pray. And I, I was blessed that way. And so every ministry that I've been a part of, and I've been about, about four or five different ministries, we made it the centerpiece of the ministry. And uh, it, it, it's amazing how every ministry I was a part of exploded. It just took off. And I give all the credit to prayer. Um, the main thing that prayer does, prayer produces the presence of God. I don't know exactly how that works. Listen, prayer is still a mystery in a lot of ways. But there's something about prayer that when we pray, especially as a body, that the hand of God has to move. And so I believe that's the reason why the enemy attacks churches and individuals and does everything possible to keep them from praying. Listen, if you're struggling with praying, there's a great possibility you're under spiritual attack because the enemy wants to shut you down from praying because he knows, the enemy knows that when we pray, God has to move. And so he's going to do everything to fight you. And so the reason why we have prayerless churches is because the enemy's at war. And, you know, you can have great messages, you can have great worship. You can have great, great kids ministry and student ministry. But if you don't have prayer as the centerpiece, it's not going to be what God, what, what God wants it to be. Because it's prayer that, that's the power behind that. It's kind of the engine behind all those things. Listen, great messages don't change lives. Worship don't really change lives. Kids ministry don't change lives, okay? It's the presence of God that changes lives. So we need the presence of God in all of those things. And so when you have the presence of God in those things that's produced by prayer, it's amazing what God does. And so I'm hoping and praying that Hope, uh, City Hope Church, I need to be careful getting to Hope City. I'm praying that City Hope Church will make prayer the boiler room of your church. That's what we say at our church. We do prayer every Wednesday night. It's amazing how a lot of times a lot of churches have what they call prayer meetings on Wednesday nights, but it's just another Bible study. You want to pray, all right? You need to pray. And if you're Y'all, there's a place where I don't know exactly what y'all do with prayer. I'm sure I know you do something because the presence of God is here. But I would say that there's got to be a time where the church comes together as a body and prays on a regular basis. And so that's what we do. And we say basically at our church that reason why God is doing the things he's doing at Desperation Church is because of prayer. We have prayer all throughout the week, but we focus on prayer with the church uh, on Wednesday nights. And we just ask the boiler room of our church. And so... You know, I, I just want to challenge you more than anything else to really make this a centerpiece of your own personal life because God will move and then make it a centerpiece of your church. Uh, I grew up with people that prayed and one of the things they taught me is they said, oh, you want to build a service that attracts the presence of God and allow God to attract the people. You build a service that attracts the presence of God and God will attract the people. And so... Their whole thought process behind that was the way you attract the presence of God is you pray. You pray. And so <laughs> prayer is the key, okay? So let me, let, let's, let's start off with what moves the heart of God. Let's start off with prayer. And everybody in here has heard this verse, all right? Everybody here has heard these, these verses before. You, you probably said them before football games, 
Um, if you, when you was a kid, I, or sports events, I don't know. But let's look at Luke chapter 11, verses 1, and, uh, 1 through 4. If you got your Bibles, you could do that. It's going to be right here on the screen up here with me. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. This is what it says. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples to pray. And so, they're, they're really intrigued by, by the prayer of, of Jesus. So they're, they're wanting to be taught, God, teach us how to pray. And so he goes into what we call the Lord's Prayer. So, so we got some dream team members here. Now, if you're sitting at your house, eating your lucky charms, take a break, all right? And, and why don't we say it together? Now, I believe the majority of us know it in the King James Version. And so, uh, y'all mind doing this, dream team members, and at home, let's, let's say it together, all right? I'll start us off. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thou is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Come on, give yourself a hand. Come on, come on, pat yourself on the back. Don't pat the other person behind you because they'll get COVID. All right, so, so, Y'all just said this. So let me read it in a different translation. This is going to drive people crazy. This King James only people, but I want to read it in a, in, a, in a different translation. All right. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. So I'm going to break these verses down real quick. And I just, I want to, I want to help you understand what Jesus was talking about whenever he was teaching the disciples with this. Now, Jesus wasn't telling his disciples that this is what you should pray on a regular basis. Every time you pray, you just say this. It's kind of what we do at every football game. We just kind of go and, uh, or, or with your teams or whatever, you kind of quote uh, the, 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 the Lord's prayer. So he said, this is how you should pray. So when Jesus said, this is how you should pray, what he was saying was that this was more of a model than a mantra. Uh, it was more of a model than a mantra. So, so let me just give you a few things that I want you to see about how Jesus taught us to pray. The first thing I want you to see, and if you got your, you got your notebooks or whatever, you can go ahead and write this down. Prayer is conversation, not legalism. Prayer is conversation, not legalism. Now, a lot of people look at prayer as as something that I have to do. And they look at it as it's it's my duty to pray. And if I don't pray, then God's gonna be upset with me. So when I started off with my walk with God, uh, I'll be honest with you, I had lots and lots and lots of legalism in me and there's a great possibility I still have some legalism, legalism in me, but God has taught me uh, a lot since when I first started walking with him. And he set me free from a lot of things that had to do with legalism. Legalism basically is, is honestly walking by works, feeling like I've got to do things to make God happy with me or not do things to make God happy with me, where in reality, God's already happy with us because of the blood of Jesus Christ that covers us. And it's hard for a lot of us to walk in that. So that's a whole nother message, all right? And so prayer is conversation, not legalism. Let, let me help you understand that a little bit. So, by the way, so I remember whenever I was younger, I, was, I didn't finish the story. 
So I remember whenever I was younger in my faith, I felt like I had to pray an hour a day for God to move. I mean, I had to pray an hour a day. So I remember I used to work for Coca-Cola, worst job in America. Don't ever do it. If you do, I'm praying for you now. In Jesus' name, set them free, God. Uh, we had to wear green uniforms. I look like a big pickle, all right? Um, and so, so, I, um, so I would come home from Coca-Cola, worked all day, got up early that morning, worked all day. I would come straight in. I wouldn't sit down. I'd go straight to my room, and i start pacing the floor. And if I started it... At 523, I felt like I had to go to 623. I had to pray at least an hour. And, and I remember, because I always heard, like, you, you can at least give God an hour of your day. And, and to give God an hour of your day, then God's going to move in your life. And he's going to move in your ministry. And he's going to move in large ways. And so usually I get to about 528, and I didn't have anything else to pray. I'm like, what do I do? You know, and so I just started making stuff up. There's no telling the things I said to God. But I paced the floor for an hour because I really thought that was what I was supposed to do for God to light me. And so... If I ever missed a day of praying, man, I felt like God was mad at me. But if I ever did an hour of prayer or longer, man, I really felt like, boy, God's going to use me in big ways. Which, by the way, it either beats you down with shame or it lifts you up with pride. That's why legalism is not cool. Right? And so, another, long, another message. The big picture is, is that that's not what prayer is. Okay? So, Jesus started off, this is how you pray. He started off this, this whole model uh, or mantra of, of how to teach the disciples how to pray like this. Jesus began by saying, our Father. You could even say, my Father. Why? Because God is a personal God now. Jesus began by saying, our Father. It was very personal. So we hear that today, our Father. And honestly, in the 21st century, it seems very, very simple because we've heard it our whole entire life. We've sung about him being our father. Uh, you know, good father. That's a good song. Good, good father. Um, we've prayed to him as our father. And it's just a normal part of life. But back in that day, it was not a part of life for Jews in Jesus' day. To the disciples, to say our father was brand new. And it was life changing. They had never in that day ever called God father. They'd never heard him ever called father. And they really had no clue that they could call him father. And so Jesus died to bring us into a different kind of relationship than anyone had ever had with God. There was no passage in the Old Testament where God was ever called father. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament with the law, they would never even really say his name. Even when they wrote his name, they would leave out certain letters because his name was so holy. And so to look at God and say, our father, and make it that personal is a big deal. It was something that they did not do in the law. It was something the disciples had never heard. It was incredibly life-changing. You know, you think about it. All our heroes that we read about in the Old Testament never were able to talk to God the way we do. We've got privilege that they did not have because of Jesus. Moses never called God father. Noah never called God father. David never called God father. Daniel never called God father. But because of Jesus, you can and you can. You can call God father because Jesus died for the purpose of 
of conversation. Now listen, before the, all the spiritual zealots get crazy out there, I know he died for the purpose of sin. And I know he died for shame and guilt and condemnation. He, 1,000 he shed his blood so that we can have a personal relationship with God. But when sin entered into the world, we were separated from God. We could not have conversation with God. They had to go through the priest for any kind of forgiveness of sins. Now we can go directly to the high priest, Jesus, who goes before God for us. And so... Jesus died for conversation. Why? Because he wanted to restore our relationship back with him. So because of Adam, we could not do that. But because of Jesus, we can. The new man, we can have conversation with God. So Jesus died so that we could restore our relationship back with him. Why? So that we could have conversation with him on a regular basis. So that means that you and me and us, that we get to have conversation with the God of the universe, the ones that created the stars that we look at, the ones that created the ocean that a lot of you have been to and didn't get COVID in Jesus' name, I hope. The same God that, 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 place the trees around us a ton of mesquite trees out here i found out the history on that yesterday it's kind of weird cows coming through here if you don't know that ask me and he told me about it yesterday the guy with the good hair listen jesus died so that we can have we can have conversation with that same god it's an honor but how often do we not take the 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 the, the opportunity to do that now we miss out on talking to that god and him talking to us because it's, it's not something that we do on a regular basis. So when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he die for our sin, but he died for the purpose of removing sin so we have direct access to God and have conversation and talk to him and let him talk back with us. Listen, we don't pray so that God will love us more. We don't pray because God will punish us if we don't, which a lot of people think that way, by the way. Now, I told you, I did that whenever I was younger in my faith. No, a lot of people pray because if I don't pray, then God's going to be mad at me. That's nonsense. That's crazy. Well, I, I pray because if I don't, then God's going to punish me. He's going to make something bad happen to me. You're praying for the wrong reasons. Jesus took the punishment, so you don't have to be punished. Listen, there's, there's nothing religious or obligatory about it. You pray because you have a father who loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. He's madly in love with you passionate about you the second thing i want you to see about prayer prayer is continual it's not a one-time deal jesus prayer was this whenever he was they were wanting to be taught by jesus this is what jesus said give us each day the food we need or give us each day our daily bread the main thing i need you to understand is that prayer is a continual conversation with god Listen, I think that we, we need to change the way we look at prayer a lot of times. It's not a one-time event that takes place when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed at night or, or before you, you know, eat dinner. By the way, there's absolutely nothing wrong with quiet times and doing those things. But God has created us, he's created us for conversation, for relationship throughout the day. Listen, I think that, that you know, quiet times, they're good. The only reason why I say that, because the only way I know how to say it, your time with God. I think that's just a, an energy punch spiritually to prepare you for the rest of the day of walking with God. 
It's not something where you have a conversation with God and they just leave him on the couch where you got up from with your journal that you just got through writing and then just go into your own day. It's to prepare you for the rest of the day to have conversation with God. So rather than looking at prayer as, as a box to check, like we talked about just a minute ago in the area of legalism, so rather than looking at it as a box to check, um, because you should pray every day, pray, prayer is an opportunity to invite Jesus into your day. Invite him into your conversations that you have throughout the day. Invite him into your decisions. Invite him into your workplace, into your schools. Invite him into how you should parent. Those aren't long 20-minute conversations with God. It's just asking him for wisdom as you make decisions all day long, whether it be at work, whether it be in Walmart. <laughs> should I get the orange sherbet ice cream Jesus or the chocolate? I mean, sometimes we get a little overboard. You know what I'm saying? Sugar-free. Anyway, asking him for patience as you deal with issues, asking him for a favor before you make an important phone call. It's just, it's just constantly walking with Jesus throughout the day. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us that the way we keep ourselves free from sin and the weight that slows us down is to keep, keep your eyes on Jesus. And we do that um, when we walk in the Spirit. We do that by making him a continual part of our day. Not just praying in the morning and leaving him there. You do it throughout the day. It's, it's called walking in the Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, I don't need to get out the, I don't need to say I want to walk a little bit, but I'm, I don't know how far I can go. So when you walk in the Spirit, basically, so when I say pray continually, there's a place where you're not really like talking like you would in your quiet time, but because you have the Spirit of God living in you, you are, He is constantly talking to you. And you are constantly connecting with him. And so when you walk in your day with God, there's going to be, there's going to be times that you're going to have to make decisions. And because you know who God is, and because you're a believer, and because I know what God asks of me, I will make the right decisions. And God will quicken your spirit, which I believe is him speaking to you, to let you know this is the decision you need to make. When you're in the school line and you cut somebody off or they cut you off, you got a decision to make. Do I give them the peeled banana, the number one sign? Uh, ben does that all the time. Or, or do I just bless them in Jesus' name? You know what I'm saying? Do, do I, I hope I can say that, by the way. So, you know, like, like in Walmart, you're just walking through the aisles and God puts somebody on your heart that you, you need to pay for their groceries. I don't know. And some of you are like, dear Lord, I hope it's not a lot of groceries. God, I hope it's not feeding the family. Whatever. But you just, you, you, you listen to the Spirit as you go through the day. When it comes to how you do business, I'm not going to be crooked. I've got an opportunity in business right here to take a little bit for myself, to be a little crooked if I want to be. But because I walk with Jesus and God is speaking to me and I know truth, I will make good decisions because I'm, he's speaking to me and I'll be obedient. Honestly, praying continually and walking in the Spirit, all it is is obedience. Because he's telling you, he's walking, you're walking, he's talking on a regular, he's talking to you right now. Should I be playing Pokemon on my phone right now or should I be listening to Pastor Andy? Whatever, should I be eating my Lucky Charms? They're soggy now because you've been doing it since we started. Listen, or should I listen? To, like, you're, something's happening right now. 
Some of you sitting there like, I don't know if I agree with that completely. And you can't even listen to what we're saying because you're trying to debate and wanting to be right on a regular basis of something theological. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, there's a place where you're constantly walking with Jesus. So you're constantly in prayer with God. And so it doesn't matter if you spend 20 minutes in the morning with God, an hour with God, five minutes, or how about this? No time with God in the morning. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. I didn't have my quiet time this morning. I didn't have conversation with God. But the thing about it is, is I walk with him on a regular basis every day. And he's speaking. And over the years, I've learned his voice. And so I hear him and I move. And so, yes, 1,000%. Spend time with God however you do it. And you should. But use that as something that prepares you for the rest of the day of hearing the voice of God. Does that make sense? I hope it does. The next thing I want you to see is prayer is combat. It's a war. Listen, whether you believe it or not, whether you're at home right now or whether you're in this building right now, there is another realm around us that's at war for you. All of heaven and all of hell is after you. And if all of if all of hell can get you shut down from communicating with all of heaven, he's got you exactly where he wants you, and he the enemy will go and chase after other people that are really making a difference and making an impact in the kingdom of God. There's a war around you. All of heaven is battling for you, all of hell is battling for you. And and I'm telling you, it's taking place whether you can see it or not. There's a war here, right now in this room. There's a war in your house. And what combats what combats uh, spiritual warfare the enemy winning is prayer just go read Ephesians chapter 6 what does the Bible say he tells us to put on the armor of God and then what does he say at the end of it stand firm and pray because prayer is powerful so Jesus ended his prayer with an acknowledgement of the war around us and inside of us and he said don't let us yield to temptation so we're constantly bombarded with temptation. The things that we do, the things that we say, and the things that we think, we combat those things through prayer as we pursue Jesus and we learn his heart and his voice. It helps us to surrender more to the Holy Spirit and strengthens our spirit to be able to overcome those things. So not only are we entering into conversation with our Father when we pray, but we're also entering into a war with the, with the enemy when we pray. So part of that war is what Jesus continues to talk about as we read further into the passage. So a lot of us just stop at the, at the Lord's Prayer. But there's more of the context. There's more in the scripture about the Lord's Prayer, him teaching them how to pray. Now we know what that is, but a lot of times we don't connect it with the Lord's Prayer. But it's part of the Lord's Prayer. He's still teaching them how to pray. This is what it says in Luke, Luke chapter 5 through 13. It says, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. By, by the way, I don't want to be your friend if you come to my house at midnight. <laughs> Wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. You'll hear that from me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for a friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. 
And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Which leads me to my next point. Prayer is perseverance. You got to keep on, you got to keep on knocking. You got to keep on praying. You got to keep on going. So we see that great faith is not praying once and getting what you ask for, which I think a lot of us think that way. Great faith, hear me. Great faith is not seeing any results, but you keep on praying. Not seeing any results, but I keep on praying. You know, I've only heard this passage read and taught as ask, seek, knock. So whatever you ask, you'll get. Whatever you search for, you'll find. And whatever door you come to will open. That's, that's what I've always heard it as. But there's, there's so much more to the story. Keep on seeking means you didn't find it right away. So I keep on looking. So a lot of us have probably heard this text as thinking like, if I pray for it, then God's going to give it to me. But that's not what it says. It says, keep on asking. Keep on knocking, which means I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to keep on knocking on the doors of heaven. And I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to be persistent in everything that I do. You know, it, it, I, I remember whenever I was a kid, I, I, you know, I would lose something. I would look for about 30 seconds. What, I, what would I do? Probably a lot of you mamas out there know what your kids would do. Mom, I can't find it. So what does mama do? She goes and finds it. Or she goes and looks, and if she can't find it where she thought she put it, or he put it, or she put it, then she keeps on looking until she finds it. So keep on asking means you didn't ask once. You just keep on asking. And what happens whenever we keep on asking? It develops our faith. Our faith becomes stronger. We develop it. It begins to grow. Because I've got to trust God that God, I know you want to move. I know you want to do what you want to do. So God, I'm going to trust you. The Passion Translation says, and one day the door will be open. So if you're here today and you're praying for revival, God send revival. Don't stop praying for revival if you don't see it the way you think it should be happening. Keep on praying for revival. Don't give up. Don't quit. You know, I, I wonder right now um, how many people watch right now and how many people in this room right now I wonder how many of us have been knocking on a door and you're, you're praying that one day it will, will open how, how many of you here I, I can see y'all I can't see people sitting at home how many have been praying for something on a regular basis and you're just praying that it will open one day listen it says that one day it will open for you one day is a big phrase. So if you're here today and you're praying and you haven't seen results, and I don't care how long you've been praying, you keep praying. Because one day is a big, that's a big phrase. One day it will be open. Here's what one day means. One day takes you on a journey. One day does something to your soul. It can either train your hand for battle or it can crush your spirits. 
you know, I look at um, Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And there's people in this room who's been praying for something that's a dream of yours. I would say, don't let your spirit get crushed. Don't let your heart get sick. You got to trust God that he's involved. And you got to keep moving. Here's what happens. Perseverance makes your spirit strong. Do you hear me? Perseverance makes your spirit strong. Let me give you a quote from Brian Johnson. He says, when God becomes real. When God heals someone of something instantaneously, a lot of times it's the Lord marking you as his child and showing you how much he loves you. But other times he heals you over time. Your freedom is a fight. The answer to prayer is a journey. But through that process, he's training your hand for battle. And when he trains your hand for battle, he gives you a special anointing to help other people walk through that same journey. That process strengthens your spirit in a way that an instant healing never could. You know, it goes back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-10, through 10, where it says that God comforted us through the trials that we're going through so that one day we can help somebody else who's going through the same trial. The journey of one day or praying and praying and praying, but still not seeing the other side, it can strengthen you. But it can also crush you. So what's the difference? The difference is that when your heart becomes sick, it's because you start to believe lies of the enemy. I wonder how many of us in this room, I guarantee you all of us, some way, form, or fashion, people at home, people in this room, have believed lies some way, form, or fashion. So your heart becomes sick when you begin to believe the lies. The enemy begins to attack you when God ain't answering the way you think he should answer quicker, quick enough as the, quick as you think he should answer. So it gives the enemy opportunity to start deceiving and lying to people that's watching online and people in this room. It, he starts making you question God, kind of like Adam and Eve, makes you start doubting God. Your thought process, the, the lies sound a lot like this. Any other person would have already gotten what they asked for. Apparently, God doesn't love me much. Apparently, he loves them more than he does me. God isn't giving me what I'm asking for because I don't have enough faith. Can I, can I throw this out there to you? Let me just encourage you a little bit. Let me encourage you at home. If that's your thought process, well, God's not answering because apparently I don't have enough faith. If you're still asking, then you have enough faith. It reveals that you have enough faith. Mustard seed sized faith moves mountains. God isn't moving because he doesn't love me. He's not on my side. He's against me. Man, the number one thing that the enemy wants, everybody in this room and everybody watching, the number one thing he wants you to doubt more than anything else is God's love for you and that he's for you. If he can get you to the place of believing that God doesn't really love you and that, that he's not for you, then he's got you right where he wants you. Because without understanding that God is for us and loves us, then I'll be honest with you, we're, we're done. You're not going to walk the way God's called you to walk with him. You're definitely not going to go before him. When you come before him, you're going to go to him out of fear and not out of your passionate love for him. I think that's the most dangerous lie of all. 
So what starts out as self-doubt and self-blame grows into doubting God. And it's not really my fault. It's, it's all his fault that these prayers aren't being answered. That's why the next part of the parable looks like it's way out in left field. You, you know, you're knocking on the door and then Jesus just comes out of nowhere. Like, whoa. So Jesus starts talking about fish and snakes and scorpions. And you're thinking like, Jesus must have some severe ADHD. Like, what's going on with him? But it only looks like that because Jesus is so far ahead of us. He starts giving us the answer before we even know the problem. It's kind of like Jeopardy. You have the answer. You just don't know what the question is yet. So the question is, if I pray and ask God for something over and over and over and don't get it, does that mean God doesn't love me? Well, Jesus answers that for us. This is what he says. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank you, Jesus. The answer is yes. God loves you so much more than any person ever could. Whatever love you've experienced on this earth, there is nothing that compares to how much he loves you. That is nothing that compares to how much he loves you. You can trust him. If you ask him knowing he wants to give you good gifts, he gives even better. You can keep on asking because you can know he'll give you what you need, even if it's not what you're asking for. I've always read this parable wrong. And I, I guarantee you there's people in this room that's read this parable wrong too. I always wonder, you know, when, when, when Jesus taught parables, he was using people as illustrations to represent him or other people. So I've always thought that Jesus was the angry neighbor. I've always wondered why God is an angry neighbor that doesn't want to help us in this story. Has, has anybody ever asked one that? Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay, Andy, you went to school for nine years for Jesus. You read it wrong. So the guy that's just trying to get rid of, of the other guy's you know, requ request is um, it's not who, it's not God. So basically what Jesus is telling them is, so if this guy will get up in the middle of mid at midnight and will go and answer the door and give this guy three loaves of bread, even being angry, if this guy will do it, ticked off at his neighbor, how much more will a loving father who's able to do far more abundantly than anything you can ask or imagine answer your prayers? How much more? So it didn't represent God. So God isn't an angry neighbor who doesn't have enough to help you. God isn't annoyed that you woke him up in the middle of the night. He's a loving father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And he died. Jesus died. God sent his baby boy Jesus to die on the cross to bring us into conversation with him. And we need to take advantage of it. You know, I've all there's times in my life where I've prayed and prayed and prayed. I'll be honest with you, just to confess as a pastor, I've I've quit praying before because I wasn't seeing any results. I remember my grandfather, 
who just died a few years ago on Christmas. Um, I prayed for 10 years or so for his salvation. He was a bad dude. He was in the Marines. He was a Marine sergeant, had all kinds of purple hearts in World War II. And he, uh, he was, he was kind of grouchy. He looked a little bit like Saddam Hussein. But um, I never get laughs out of that. So apparently it sounds really bad. I'll never say that again. So um, he did actually look like um, But so I remember praying for years that my grandfather would get saved, that God would save him. And I'll be honest with you, um, because of who he was and I knew him, I, I just gave up on him because he was kind of a crusty old dude, hard. And I, I'll be honest, just I quit praying. Thank God I had a sister that had more faith than I did that kept on praying for him. And so I'm the preacher over here and I remember uh, my, my, grand, my grandmother died and he told me, uh, he called me one day. I lived in Alabama, he was from Louisiana and um, he called me and he started asking me questions about salvation. I thought that was interesting. And he said, Andy, I wanna get things right with God. I said, well, Grandpa, just, you need to have conversation with God and let him know those things. Like tell him the things that you know you want him to know and like repent and ask him for forgiveness of sin and get things cleared up with me. You know, and so I mean, I know that was simple what I said, but. He wasn't a church guy, so I was trying my best to explain to him the best I could. And so, about a week or two later, he, uh, he called me back, and he said, uh, Andy, I, I got things right with me and God. I said, you did? He said, yeah. He said, I usually go out every single morning, and I walk the pasture. I have conversation with cows. And I was like, God, I hope nobody sees you talking to cows. They'll put you in a mental hospital, Grandpa. He said, uh, he said, I had conversations with God and I got things cleared up with him. And he said, I, I'm, I'm confident that I'm one of his now. And basically his life was changed. He was a different guy after that. And he was like 89. So his last three, two or three years, um, he, he lived for the Lord the best way he knew how. And, you know, it's amazing the importance of praying for something that you didn't see for years. I do believe that God still answered my prayers from the 10 years I've prayed every day for him and then my sister's and family's prayers for his salvation. And he gave his life to Christ. And, you know, he died at the age of 93. And so I would tell you, if you've got something you're praying for, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't stop. How many of you in here would say, I've been praying for something for a long time? And I haven't seen it come to fruition. Is there anybody in here? Anybody? Three or four hands. I'm going to trust that there's people at home. I see the guy that's running the camera throw his hand up. And so, hey, I want to pray. I want to pray for y'all right now. And let's, just, let's just believe together that these things are going to happen. Because I really believe that God's, number one, he's strengthening your faith. You don't need to have your spirit crushed. You need to keep on praying, keep on seeking. He may not answer it the way you want him to answer it. He's going to answer it the way he wants to answer it. And it's going to be better than you ever thought. And so why don't we pray right now? So Jesus, I ask in Jesus' name, there are people in this room that's been praying for something. There's people watching at home right now that's been praying for something for a long time. So Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that God, you would answer their prayer, that you would move on them, in them, and through them. And that God, you would do incredible things for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we're gonna trust you. We believe that, Father, you're gonna do incredible things for your glory and for your honor. God, I pray that you would 
God, right now, God, that your presence would fall on the people that's been asking, just to let them know you've not forgot about them. God, right now, fall on them, let them experience your presence. God, I don't know what that's through. I don't know what's through you speaking to them or if that's a chill bone. I don't know what it is. But God, fall on them right now and let them know that you're with them, that you've, you've not forgotten about them, that you're hearing them. And God, they keep on persevering and keep on praying. Father, we love you and praise you in your name. Amen. Hey, listen, I know that you've got prayer coming up for 21 days. There's nothing more powerful than a body of Christ praying together. Even if you can't be together, we can still pray together at a certain time, whether it's from a home or from work or wherever we're at in your car. I want to challenge you. It's powerful. You're going to see great things happen. That I would encourage you, when those 21 days are over, still as the body of Christ, you need to find time to, get, to, to pray together. Ask God to move. It's what moves the church. You fix to go to a new building, God wants to use that building. Let prayer be the focus point. Let prayer be the, the centerpiece. Let it be the boiler room of your church and watch God move more than you've ever seen him move in your entire life. Let the presence of God draw people into that place. Let people be driving by the church and the, the, the presence of God basically hit them as they drive by. And there's something that draws them into that building for the purpose of basically wanting to know what that experience was that they felt when they drove by. Just ask God to move in large ways. It's going to be gigantic. Hey, listen, if you're, if you're watching right now or maybe in this room and you've never given your life to Christ, hey, listen, I want to challenge you. God sent his son to die so that you can have conversation with him. And he wants a conversation. He's so in love with you. He, he wants a conversation with you. So if you're, you're watching right now and you're far from God or you don't have a relationship with God, listen, I, I want to encourage you. Here's what the Bible says. It says to confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth, to believe in your heart that he's raised again on the third day. And the Bible says and you will be saved. So why don't you do that today? Confess Jesus is Lord of your mouth. God, I want you to be Lord. I'm tired of being Lord of my life. God, I want you to be Lord for, uh, uh, of my life. You, you, you run my life. Then believe by faith that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He, he, he paid the penalty of your sins. He took the wrath of God that, that you deserve. And say, God, I want to turn from my sin. I want to put them under the blood of Christ. Jesus, I believe that you were buried, but you did not stay there. I believe you rose from the grave and that today, July 26, 2020, that you are alive and you are well today with my best interest out. And I want to live my life for you. So here's, here's the big picture. So to do that, same way you start off any relationship with people is, I believe you got to do that with conversation. So why don't we have a conversation with God right now? Why don't we pray? Why don't we talk to him? You can say your own prayer. You can repeat after me. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's the person of the prayer that saves you. So you have literal conversation with Jesus right now. So you repeat after me or say your prayer. Say, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. I turn from my sin. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you paid the penalty of my sin, took the wrath of God that I deserve. I believe that you were buried, but you didn't say that. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave and that you're alive and well today with my best interest out. And Lord, I give you my life. I give you all of me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for changing my life. Amen. So if you said that prayer, Man, we are pumped for you here at City Hope. We're excited that God has done something in your life. And listen, uh, we believe in next steps at City Hope. We believe everybody's got a next step, okay? And so we believe your next step is baptism. And I'm going to let Pastor Ben tell you about what that is here in just a minute and let you know like exactly what you what you got to do, okay? Hey, if there's somebody in this room, and maybe there's some people home, you just got something you just like prayer for. It'd be an honor for me to pray for you. Actually, would you just throw your hands up? Is there anybody here? Hi, I'm believing there's somebody online right now also. Father, we just pray that God, you would move in the lives of people, that you'd open up the heavens, pour out your presence, pour out your spirit, do gigantic things for your glory, do gigantic things for your honor in their life. 
God, may we make your name famous. God, we don't want to make City Hope's name famous. We want to make Desperation Church's name famous. God, we want to make you famous. God, we, we build your platform for you, God. God, we want to be a, a part of a faceless army, Father, of people that don't want to, we want to be a people of no reputation that, that doesn't want to be known. We want you to be known. And so God, be glorified, be honored, do what you've got to do to make those things happen in your precious holy name. Everybody said, amen. Y'all give it up for Pastor Ben. Come on, Pastor. Oh man, how about Pastor Andy? Let's honor Pastor Andy today. Thank you so much, Pastor. <laughs> Love it. Man, his heart for prayer is, is uh, like no...